Gospel Message, Week 108. Whose rule are you under? Whenever um, the ladies, because this ministry, this Gospel Message ministry is a, is a women's evangelical ministry where uh, the women of God uh, each take turns in sharing the Word of God, the Gospel of Jesus Christ with people, with the world, uh, through this audio format and also through a written uh, format, if possible. And a lot of the times when some of the ladies ask me or say, you know, they didn't know what to share or they were drawing a blank, I always tell them, I say, well, it's not because you need to go and prepare a sermon in order to participate in this ministry, but just during the course of your personal Bible study, when you are studying the Word of God, whatever the Lord reveals to you or whatever the Lord is sharing with you, share it with other people because there could be one person out there that could benefit from what the Lord is revealing to you through His Word. So on that platform, I have been studying uh, Romans chapter 6. It has just been coming to me and I've been, once upon a time, Romans was like Greek to me. I had no clue what to make of it. It all seemed so complicated, but by the Lord's divine grace, he has started to open up Romans to me because it has become very, very applicable. It has become very pertinent uh, in my life and in my walk with Christ. So Romans 6 has been heavy on my on my study platform uh, because of what it deals with and the uh, issue of whose rule are you under or whose dominion are you under is delved into very heavily in Romans chapter 6 and I'll touch on it lightly uh, today just because of time and I'll just share some of the key points that I have been incorporating into my prayers and into my meditation and into my, you know, moment-to-moment -moment walk throughout the day. Because we know the Bible tells us that the, the enemy prowls around like a lion looking for whom to devour. And a lot of us, especially those of us in the um, Pentecostal uh, type churches, we're always thinking that Satan is out there to kill us that he's out there to end our lives or to, you know, take this from us and take that from us and rob us of all our physical joys and pleasures and all that. And it's not to say that he isn't, but I'm pretty certain that in this walk of salvation, that is not his primary goal because if Satan can give you riches, knowing that riches is what's going to turn you away from God, he will gladly give us riches. He will gladly give us everything that we need on the face of this earth if he knows it is those things that are going to turn us from the Lord. So that's an indication that Satan's goal is not to take away our riches. Satan's goal is to take away the dominion of Christ in our lives. He wants the ruling factor in our lives to be him and not God. That is Satan's goal. And by any means necessary, any means that he has been given the ability to control, he will do that. So the goal or the question we have to ask ourselves when we are walking in the truth of the gospel of Christ, we have to ask ourselves who rules us or what rules us? What do we yield to 
more often than not. And this is a very personal and individual reflection. What do we respond to? And in what manner do we respond to those things? You know, in Romans 5, the Bible talks about grace. You know, us not being under the law, but being under the grace. But then Romans chapter 6, the very first verse says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. And, and what the Spirit is telling us there is like, listen, you know, okay, you're not under the law. We are under grace by faith in Christ Jesus. So does that mean that we live our lives any way that we want, just do whatever we want, act in whatever way we want, because we're under grace, God forbid. And it now goes in verse 3 to reference baptism. And if we think of the very act of immersion baptism, immersion baptism is the physical act of where we are dipped into the water and then we are raised up again. And the symbolism of immersion baptism is the death and resurrection of Christ Jesus. When Jesus Christ took on our sin, he died for sin. Sins that he did not commit, sins that we committed, he died for sin. That is why we in Christ die to sin. So when we are baptized, a lot of us are baptized as children. And the truth is that as children, we don't even have the vaguest concept of what we are doing in that baptism. You know, if you're a Catholic, I was born and raised Catholic. We go for catechism and we learn all these things. We cram all these things just so we can pass the test so that we can do our first Holy Communion. And we learn all this quote unquote theology about baptism. But the practical experience of baptism, there's an awareness that's involved in that. And it is when we turn to Christ and start to walk our daily lives in Christ that we now enter into the practical application of baptism, specifically immersion baptism, meaning when we are dipped into the water, we are literally spiritually dying to sin. We are accepting that death that Jesus Christ took on our behalf, then we are now rising into new life, his life, a life where we are no longer under the dominion of sin. We are no longer being ruled by sin. And what this Romans chapter 6 is telling us that prior to that baptism, our lives were ruled by sin. We didn't know any better. The law was given to us as Romans 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5 states in order to make us aware that we were sinners. It is not the law that made us sinners. The law made us aware of our sin because did we not have the law of do not steal, we would not have known that stealing was a sin. We would have been going around stealing all willy-nilly thinking, hey, that's just part of life. So when our Holy Father gave us the law, the commandments, he gave it to us to make us aware of our sinful nature. But this sinful nature is just that, a nature. We are born into it. It is natural to us. So we are born into this natural sinful state that the law makes us glaringly aware of. So if this is my natural state, how on earth am I supposed to be delivered from this natural state of sin, of the dominion where 
where sin rules my mortal flesh. It has total and complete control of me. Herein comes Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, our salvation, our redemption, the only one who lived a sinless life as flesh and blood. So in his sinlessness, he took on my sin, your sin, died for those sins, and then rose into a new life. And the benefit of that new life is that he's able to impart that new life on you and I, we who are still living in this world, so that we might live in him under the dominion of his life, under the rule of his life, his grace, his power, his everything, so that we are no longer ruled by that sinful nature. That's what Romans chapter 6 is telling us. But we have to come into an awareness of this in order to live it. So now that I know if I have been baptized, meaning my sin life has died with Jesus Christ, and I have now risen into the life of Jesus Christ, I know that I am no longer under the rule, the dominion of sin. And what that means literally and practically is that I don't have to obey it. I don't have to yield to it. So when sinful nature dictates to me to do this, that, and the other, the response is no. I am dead to sin. I am no longer under the dominion of sin. I no longer have to do those things that were once natural to me because that is not my nature anymore. The nature of Christ is my nature now. And we really have to practicalize this and simplify it the way I am saying it. And the reason I say that is because, let's just say you're one who is naturally prone to temper. You have a quick temper. So when things happen and instinctively I go in the line of a fiery reaction or yelling or screaming or my mind starts to, you know, manipulate vengeance or things like that. Those were once actions, reactions, thought patterns that I was naturally predisposed to and my body, my members, according to Romans chapter 6, would naturally obey those promptings. But when I come into the knowledge of the new life that Jesus Christ has given me, when those promptings come, I am now aware of the fact that I have the power to say no. I have the ability to say no and to say, I'm not going to react like that, or I'm not going to say that, or I'm not going to do that. I will say no to that dominion because it no longer controls me. And sometimes the antidote to the old way of life could simply be to do nothing. So where once I would have yelled and screamed, I do nothing. Where once I would have been angry and I would have plotted vengeance, I do nothing. Where once I would have reacted violently, I do nothing because sometimes we think that there is this natural instinct to do this wonderful act 
in 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 you know opposition to what I would have done before if the spirit puts that on us yes but sometimes it could simply be to just not do what I was predisposed to do so when sin comes with its dictate and if we go through Romans if we go through um Galatians chapter 5 if we go through 1st Corinthians and 2nd Corinthians the Bible in many chapters it lists out all these things that are characteristic of the sinful nature even in this uh, book of Romans I believe in Romans chapter 12 you know there is a list of of the actions and and the reactions and the behaviors it says recompense to no man evil for for evil do not avenge yourselves vengeance is mine says the lord and it goes through other practices of you know being slothful in business not showing mercy you know not being kind insisting on our own way you know um sins of the flesh, you know, longings, physical longings, you know, sensual longings, things of the mind, envy, jealousy, malice, unforgiveness, vengeance, wanting to repay people evil for evil, even just seeking my own way, seeking money over Christ, seeking wealth over Christ, our dependencies, dependency on alcohol, dependency on sex, or on satisfying my physical urgings and desires, and even translating to, you know, anger, malice, all these things. There are so many things listed in the Bible, in the different books of the Bible about again. And some of these things might not even necessarily appear as bad, but when we are serving self as opposed to serving God, when we are, you know, idolatry, meaning the dependence on on the things that the world can provide apart from God, the things that, you know, um, I can provide for myself without necessarily leaning on God. In Galatians chapter 5, it goes into the whole list of adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, rivalry, jealousy, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, a whole bunch of these things that I even had to look up to know what was the definition of, of, of all these things. And again, the Bible is telling us that these are the works of the flesh. They are the things that came naturally to that life that was under the dominion of sin. And these are things that were natural longings, natural promptings of our bodies, you know. But the thing is that when we do these things naturally, we are indeed under the dominion of these things. But what the Lord is telling us that once we are, once we are dead to sin, dead to sin, and that's what it says, in Romans 6, 2, God forbid, shall we who are dead to sin live any longer therein? The concept has to be, I am dead to sin. Now, we talk about the fact that we as Christians, we struggle with sin. And we say it sort of under the umbrella of all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So I shouldn't consider myself as a sinless person because the Bible says that all have sinned. Absolutely, all have sinned. But then, 1 John also tells us that those who are in Christ do not sin. And how that speaks to this Romans chapter 6 is that if we are dead to sin and alive in Christ, 
then sin should not have dominion over us. It should not rule us. So this whole struggle with sin that we boast about, because we kind of do boast about it, because we sort of give allowance to it. Oh, I still struggle. The question is why? How can you struggle with something that you're dead to? How can we struggle with something that an end has already been put to? Not by our power, but by the power of he who has the power to put an end to these things. So how can I sit here and say, I struggle with it? If I struggle with it, then somehow I still make allowance for it. I still give in to it. I still give it dominion and rulership over me. And yet the Bible is telling me I no longer have to. Because in Christ, I am dead to sin and alive to righteousness. If I have been baptized, yes, but also if I have received Christ, if I have received the life of Christ, if I have responded to his calling and answered and spoken and confessed with my mouth and received him in my heart, that he is God and King and God and King of my life. That means he is ruler of my life. And he is ruler of, if he is ruler of my life, then I have received his life, which is death to sin. And I am now alive to righteousness. Righteousness rules me, not sin. So if I am dead to sin, I should not struggle with sin and in sin. Romans 6 is powerful. It is powerful because it is an affirmation of everything that Jesus Christ has already purchased for us. Verse 5 says, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Christ resurrected to a new body, a sinless body, a powerful body, a body where sin no longer had dominion or rulership over him. Therefore, it no longer has dominion and rulership over me. That is why I have to stand in the authority of that so that when sin comes knocking on my door and it will come knocking on my door and as God told us in Genesis, he says, sin is crouching at your door but you shall not give in to it. It will not have dominion over you. It is crouching at your door, looking to have you, looking to possess you. But it shall not possess you, because it no longer has dominion over you. When Cain killed his brother Abel, and the Lord confronted him in Genesis chapter 3, he says, If thou dost well, Chapter 3, verse 7, shall thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. This is what God said to Cain in Genesis chapter 3, before he killed his brother. He said, it is crouching at your door. It wants to rule over you, but you don't have to let it rule over you. You have to rule over him. 
over sin. You have dominion over sin. In God, God was telling him, in me, in me, you have dominion over this sin. You don't have to let it rule over you. And it's the exact same thing that we are now being told in Romans chapter 6. Especially now that Christ has died for us and we are dead to sin and alive in Christ. And it says, it no longer has dominion over you. It no longer rules over us. So there should be no struggle. There should be no struggle. There should be a confirmation and an affirmation in Christ Jesus. So when those promptings of my sin nature come knocking, come to try to take possession of me the way they have taken possession of me in the past, in Christ Jesus, we look them square in the eye and say, no, I am dead to that. You no longer have dominion over me. Christ has dominion over me. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. This is the word of our God. But the reason many of us struggle with sin is because we do not stand on the authority of the word of God because we do not believe it. Or maybe we don't understand it. Or maybe we just don't get whose power we operate in when we accept Jesus Christ as Lord of, and Savior and understand who we are accepting and what we are accepting. Brothers and sisters, let us go back. Read this Romans chapter 6 and ask the Lord to open it up to you. Open it up to your spirit. We are no longer under the rule, the dictatorship of the dominion of sin. We are under the dominion of Christ. If Christ indeed is our Lord and Savior. And we stand in the power of his life. His victory over sin. And we proclaim with authority that sin no longer rules me. It is Christ who rules me. I am dead to all things of sin. And when they come knocking, they will meet a corpse. Because the person who they ruled before is dead. The person who now lives, it is not I, but Christ who lives within me. And this life that I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who died and gave his life for me. Sin has no dominion over Christ. Therefore, sin has no dominion over me. And let it be our will and our desire to walk in the dominion of Christ, in the dominion and the rulership of his righteousness. And may we continue to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.